Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Well, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is Father's Day. Thank you, fathers. Um, It is a crazy, crazy thing that we intentionally join into, which is having children. I don't know if you've realized that or not. If you're young parents, just wait. It's an adventure. Um, But I I just want to thank dads in the room, because I think sometimes, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day, we kind of look at it through this traditional lens of like, you know, is it just biological fathers? And I just want to say, you know, there's so many men in my life that have fathered me and loved me. I have a stepdad that um, has been um, married to my mom for 35 years and has been a great father to me. Um, there's people in this room that father uh, young men and women um, through ministries and other things, just loving on them. So, guys, I just want to thank you, uh, one, that you invest your life not only in your own children, but in... Um, the people that you interact with, other disciples. I mean, really fathering, um, if we want to get real specific, um, is discipling. Um, so as the church grows and we expand and people come in here, you're going to get an opportunity, even after your children leave your house, to father uh, other men in your life. So um, get ready. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Everybody's like, Ugh. Um, if God's giving you the privilege of being a father, he's given you a monumental task. And it's weighty, and I'm sure you feel it. And some days it's the best thing in the world, and some days you're like, what did I sign up for? I heard uh, someone say this years ago, if you want to learn how selfish you are, get married. Amen. It's there. Anybody? Okay. Uh, if you want to ha- learn how ultimately selfish you are, have children. Because <laughs> unlike your spouse that you can be like, I'm not doing that today. Children, you know, they don't really let it go. They don't stop. They don't be like, hey, this is your day. Um, they say, feed me now. Change my diaper now. Um, give me money now. Um <clears throat> And here, here's a, a thing, and, and, and I'm going to get to James here in a little bit, but um, for dads that still have kids in your house or kids that are around you, um, your kids are watching, and they're learning from what you do and not necessarily what you say. Because if what you say doesn't match what you do, it doesn't really matter. And that should scare you. And just for the record, um, this message is for disciples, uh, so the women in the room, you don't get to just go, okay, this is fathers, and he's going to beat you up. Um, And I'm not. I'm going to encourage you um, and and love you through God's word to to be who God's called you to be by the action of doing. Um, But it's for everyone here. So it is Father's Day, and so a lot of my references as we go through the world, it's going to be directed towards Father. But when you hear that, um, ladies in the room, just look at it through the lens of it's what God calls us to do as disciples. So my one thing that I want you to hear this morning is what you do matters. The activity of your life matters. What you know and what you say, I don't think, are as important as what you do. Because what you do communicates what you believe which should be super convicting to us. So before we get into the word, let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, um, we want to be good fathers and disciples. And that starts with acknowledging your word. <laughs> Having the power to bring salvation and change to our lives. And it comes from the acknowledgement that the acting on your word is what gives us life, what helps us see what needs to be changed in our life, what gives us the ability to walk into. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to trust your word, strength to obey your word, and strength to do it in front of others so that we can help lead and guide them. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for James that wrote the text that we're going to read today. Lord, we thank you that you inspired him to speak these words to us today. And Lord, we thank you that these words still have power today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of James was written by the brother of Jesus. Think about that for a second. Uh, my brothers are going to write that I'm God. Um, and if your brother does write a gospel uh, or an epistle about you and, and, and things about you, like he believes it. And I've said this a lot of times in this room, really it doesn't matter what other people think. What you guys think about me and how great I am or how godly I am or whatever doesn't really matter because you only get a piece of me. What really matters and what really speaks life is what these four people sitting on the front row are here think of me. Because they see me and they live with me. And just same thing with James. When James is speaking these words about his brother and... I've said this lots of times. It's not church unless something goes wrong. <laughs> and that's all right. Move right on through. But he wrote this book um, to practically talk about what it talks about living. There, there's lots of writing, especially from Martin Luther. He didn't like this book. Because, you know, when you're saved by grace through faith alone, which is the truth. Okay, I said that last week. I just want to make sure that we're still on the same page. Um, James is the book that's like, we can't just sit on our laurel, laurels. I don't even know what that means, but it's a phrase. <laughs> that's thinking about what is a laurel. Um, when you're sitting on that thing, uh, and you can't just go lay, yeah, this is what I believe, and I'm saved by grace through faith alone. Um, James is the one book that's like, that is very clear that you need to do something. That you need to act on what you read. You need to go into like, this is what the Word is calling me to do, and I'm going to act on it. 
And so this book was also written after, uh, if you're uh, reading along um, in Acts and you're one your Bible, um, you've come to the part where the church had got real comfortable. They elected some deacons to take care of the widows. And one of the deacons preached a sermon that got him stoned. Stephen. And he's dead. And the persecution, like, poured out. And you know what happened to the church? It didn't die. It didn't wither away. They dispersed into other areas. And honestly, we're here today because of that dispersion. We're here today because persecution came and the church went elsewhere and kept preaching the gospel. And let me just tell you, and I'm not, you know, a doomsday guy, but at some point... Our age is going to draw to an end and things, I believe, are going to become very difficult for Christians. And and we may go, oh, what's going to happen to the church? And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to the church. The church is going to get real. And the church is going to grow. Because the gospel is not going to be stopped by persecution. And so James is writing a letter to a church that is hurting. They're being persecuted, um, and in the middle of that, he's going to tell them, hey, this is what we should do. So we're going to jump into, I'm going to read a, three verses from the beginning of James 1, and then I'm going to read um, eight verses from the end of James 1. So James 1, verses 2 through 5, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Without trials and tribulations, sad to say for those that think Christianity is something you get into to get into the easy life and never struggle or whatever. Without trials and tribulations, you'll never, you'll never be perfect. You'll never be complete. You'll never be what God wants you to be. And this is written to a suffering church. This was written to a church that need to hear Count it all joy. And this morning, I I want the fathers and parents to hear it in disciples. um, Trials and testings, it sounds like parenthood. You want to grow spiritually? You You want to grow? You want God to shape and mold you into his character? Be a good father. Be a good mom. And I don't, good is relative in the sense that that doesn't mean give them everything they want, but I'm talking about live the gospel in front of them, share the gospel with them through what you do, and God will shape and mold you. Verse 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I don't know about you, but there's lots of things over the last 20 years of my fatherhood um, that I lacked lots of wisdom. And there's lots of times, I'm just going to go ahead and admit this, um, where I failed horribly because I lived in the wisdom of Heath Cadell. And I thought, you know, like, I know best because I was raised by parents. <laughs> so I figured it all out. Mostly about what they did wrong. Kids, let me just tell you, like, you're going to leave the house one day. You're going to get married. You're going to have your own families. And you're going to say in your soul, I'm not going to be like that. Or I'm not going to do that. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to do it. 
I'm just going to tell you there's lots of things. My son tells me all the time things he's going to do better than me. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I pray in Jesus' name that that is the truth. But the likelihood is, is that we're going to walk right into the other things. The things that we said that we would never do. So we need wisdom. So we're going into, um, we're going to jump to verse 19. And, and he's, it, it's only eight verses. And honestly, if we would take these eight verses to heart, um, I think our lives would be changed. Our lives would be different. Verse 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Look, I'm telling you, if we could walk out of this room and do that one verse, our lives would be better. Our parenting skills would grow exponentially if we would be quick to hear, because we don't do that. I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all, but I'm quick to speak because I've got the truth. I'm the oracle of truth in the Cadell household, and I don't need to hear all the details. I can just pass judgment, which always gets me wrong. It'd be slow to speak, like let that, let it just kind of sit and simmer and then not get angry. Just, just wait. And I've said this a lot and it always shocks people. I'm kind of an angry person. Like you guys would never know it because I would never dare be angry in front of you, but my family understands the wrath of Father Cadell. Um, and most of it's because of that. I don't wait. I don't process. I just get frustrated. It's hard. I mean, this is something that we need to master. And the only way that we master this or anything that's going to precede these verses here is that we trust that God's wisdom is greater than ours. Because when our wisdom is greater, it is okay for us to get angry. And I believe there is such thing as righteous anger. Okay? You're getting ready to hear the next verse. Um, I think the likelihood of our lives, it's very... Uh, unlikely that we've had, in our anger, righteous anger. I I would just say, the majority of us in here, um, all the times, you may have a scenario that I'm wrong at, but for the most part, I would say, if you lost it and got angry, it was not righteous. And and listen, listen to the next verse. 20, it says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can I get Amen. I struggle with this because I want it to be right. I want to be right. I want to say, I want to be like, yes, they did something wrong and they should now face the punishment. You know what's funny is that when we get angry with others, not just our children, and we feel like they needed that, how often do we go, God, I want you to be just like that to me? You're like, no, God, give me grace and mercy. Why not? But we dole it out. It's just like the um, the guy who experienced mercy from, it was a parable, uh, he experienced great measure of mercy. A debt was forgiven and he goes out and he chokes out one of his friends and throws him in jail for a small amount of money. And he said, out of the mercy that we've received, we should be giving it back out. But very little do we actually do that. Verse 21, it says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
See, meekness in this context of hearing the word of God, meekness surely means something like teachability or a readiness to submit to God's word. The opposite of receiving with meekness would be to receive it with suspicion. Because you doubt that all of it is true or good for you. Or to receive it partially because you want to reserve the right to pick and choose what parts you will follow. Or to receive it with a cocky, self-assured thing that you can understand and apply it um, without God's merciful help. Like the word of God planted in us is willing to save us even from ourselves. And I think the danger here is that very little of the time do we implant any of God's word in us. We'll, we'll let it flow through us. We'll read God's word. But to implant is, in us is the same idea of abiding in his word. It's literally taking it in and letting it be a part of us so much so that it changes what we do. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates night and day. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does he prospers. The word has power to save our soul. And, and I think a lot of times we're so um, jaded in our experience with church. I mean, if you've watched the news over the last couple of years, you've seen lots of failures when it comes to church and church leadership. And sometimes we can take our lack of trust with the church and we can put that on the word and be like, well, you know, like maybe this isn't for today. And maybe, uh, you know, like I'm going to, you know, they weren't sure about this. And it produces a doubt in us so that we don't step into the things that we should. Verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We are acting on what we believe. If you're unwilling to act on the word of God, what does it say about your belief? And hear, hear this, parents. Like, we, say, we don't say this, but we live this. Do what I say and not what I do. And it, and it wrecks what God's trying to do in us. See, we can't do that anymore. Like, and I, I truly believe in the next 10 years, you'll be forced to either walk out the word or you'll leave the word. I think we've already seen it. There's all these, you know, podcasts and all this you know, I don't even want to say some of these words because I don't even want you to go start researching some of this stuff. But they're really tearing apart things in the word. And so you're like, well, I, I, you kind of throw everything out and you'll walk away. I think literally in the next 10 years, you won't be able to sit on the sidelines like we've enjoyed over the decades in the U.S. of just going, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a church attender. I believe in the next 10 years, you'll be forced to either live it or leave it. 
Because this is the truth. I, I think what we're getting ready to see in this next verse is the danger. But before I get there, how many of us have heard that sermon? Where we're like, mm, it hit me. Like there's change coming. How many of us have read something in the Word that you're like, yep, need to do that. Or listen to uh, or read a book that convicted you of something and you felt it and did absolutely nothing. Like, I'm terrified. I heard one pastor say this one time. He's like, I can motivate anybody to Monday. Like, I can say some good stuff that'll get you charged up for today and tomorrow. But by Tuesday, you know, that that's the scary part of our life as followers of Jesus is that we're called to follow Jesus Period. You know, that the Holy Spirit, and, and let, me, let me just say this. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is active all the time in the life of believers. I believe what happens is the more and more we say no to that conviction, the more and more we say, you know, not today or tomorrow or I'm going to do this later or whatever, the less likely we have the ability to hear <laughs> what the Holy Spirit's saying. I don't, I don't think... He stops. And the problem is, is that God's so interested in shaping and molding your character, sanctifying you, that he'll do whatever is necessary to fix what you're unwilling to fix. And that means um, that he'll humble you, (laughs) um, that he'll bring things into your life that force you into a place of surrender. Like, this isn't like, hey, you know, he's looking, he's not looking to punish you. He's looking to bless you. But sometimes we're so distant by our own life that he has to do things in us to bring us back to this reality and truth. Verse 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. I I, I titled this next little section, Boogers and Broccoli. You'll remember that. Because sometimes you you think, like, what is he talking about? You go look at your face in the mirror and you walk away and you forget. It's like going in the mirror after lunch or let's just say in the morning. You had broccoli the night before. You know, maybe you got a little cold. And you look in the mirror and you go, man, I got broccoli in my teeth. I'm going to get that out in just a second. And there's a booger in my nose. Okay, okay. Think about it. And then you walk away and you forget and you just walk around all day smiling at people, showing them your broccoli, and they're looking right at your booger. And you don't do anything about it. What the word is supposed to do when we actually walk it out, it's we get to look at ourselves. In the reflection of who God has called us to be. And we look in the mirror and we know what we're supposed to look like. And there's these things. Our hair's all out of place. The broccoli and boogers are there. Maybe a little eye booger too. And you see it. And what you're supposed to do by being doers of the word is do something about the thing that you see. But to walk away from the things that we feel that the, that God is convicting of us or telling us that, man, we need to start doing that is just like looking at the mirror 
And then walking away from it and doing absolutely nothing about it. And we wonder why we have such fun reactions to other people when we let our life that is not in um, doing the word. And they're like, oh, I think some of the people's reactions to us is because we're unwilling to do the things that God has called us to do. Look, in this I don't ever preach anything up here that I'm not personally confronted by. I have not perfected anything. I'm interested in God shaping and molding me, and I'm preaching these things up here every Sunday because it is true for me as it is for you. I've walked around with things in my teeth and boogers hanging out of my nose. And done nothing about it. And I I just want to tell you that I think the season of that happening and us being okay with it is coming to an end. I think the season is coming into our life that we are either going to choose to do something about what's going on in our life. Or we're going to leave it. See, doing the work of the father, being a father or a parent is the place where God has access to change you. I think the difficult relationships in your life, instead of looking at them through the lens of like, man, they're aggravating, or this kid is aggravating, or this coworker is aggravating, we should look at it through the lens of going, what does God want to shape in me through this person? Because if God is sovereign, and if God does all things for our good, then that includes these difficult people. And I believe that fathering is the place that God has access to change us. I think also our greatest mistake is dealing with our children or people around us that are or have lots of issues. Is that our greatest mistake is that we think our children are the only one that needs to change. I think sometimes as parents, we're looking at them like if they would just figure it out, things would be better. But we don't look at ourselves. We don't think like, man, maybe, okay, maybe I'm the issue. Maybe my kid's behavior, maybe my kid's actions, maybe my kid's need for future therapy is my issue. Because it's funny how sometimes we think about trauma or things that we've gone through in our life and we think it's like this person did this to us. But we rarely think, what are we doing to other people? We rarely look at our lives and go, I want to do the best I can. And I'm going to tell you, there's no perfect parent. You know, I, I don't know how... One, that my children have survived this long. Um, I have a 20-year-old, uh, 18-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And um, to be completely honest, and this is not bragging, but they're, they're, they're pretty good kids. Um, they've made, you know, good choices so far. And, and I would love to go, it's just because I'm a daggone good father. But to com- be completely honest, I don't think that's true. I think it's the grace of God right now. I think we need to do everything in our power to do what we can to become a good parent. And that starts with us not just doing all the right parent things. That starts with us submitting to the word 
and beginning to walk out that word in our life because they'll see. We teach what we know, but we will always reproduce who we are. Your kids will become who you truly are, not what you tell them that they should become. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. Our blessing comes from our doing. (laughs) When we put the word into action, not only do we get to know God, but we get to know ourselves. God gets to show us who he wants us to be. And we, I used this verse last week. In verse 26, it says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person, religion, is worthless. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Not only what we do... <laughs> influences our kid but what we say like I, I don't know i in saying this you would think i would have learned not to do some of the things but i get the power of my words because i see the the effects good or bad when my words are rashly spoken and then the last verse verse 27 it says religion that is pure And undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It is our duty to not only care for ourselves, but to care for other people. One of the main reasons, um, like, in February, that we support other local ministries is because we want to be a benefit to those who are unable to do it for themselves. It is an active thing. So here's some things I want to say. It's not too late. I think sometimes, depending on where you are in your life, in your journey, and your relationship with your children, it's Sometimes you have this feeling like, well, it's too difficult. It's too hard to rebuild. I don't even know if I can rebuild. And I want to say to you that it's not too late because the Word has the power to save. The Word has the power to restore and rebuild. Here's another question for you. In this... Uh, it's up to you. You can write it down. Uh, I encourage you, anytime God puts something on your heart that you feel like you should be walking in, you should tell someone else. Because I don't know how many times I've heard something and be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I don't tell anybody that, that I'm going to do it. And then Wednesday, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but if you tell people, like, this is, where, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm committing to, I don't know about you, but, like, accountability is amazing, When you say, hey, this is the conviction I have, this is the thing I'm going to walk in, and you invite other people into that, you know that in a day or two you may run into, they may text you, so you have this this resolve to do something more. So here's the question. What is God calling you to act on? 
I believe for the most part, our biggest issue in general in the church is not that we need more inspiration. I think the biggest issue in the church is that we need more application. I believe in this room, there's things already that God over the years has like been pointing his finger at saying, Hey, beloved, this is where I want you to work. This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to act. And I encourage you to spend some time asking God, where are you asking me to move? Where, what are you asking me to do? I'm going to invite our worship team up, and here's the last thing that I'm going to say to us. I have two verses. I encourage you to spend some time looking into the mirror. And do your best to remove all your boogers and broccoli. I know that's funny, and then, uh, you know, some people may just remember that I said booger um, in church. But if you'll carry out today, you know, the next, I, I encourage, I pray that the next time you look in a mirror, that thought hits you. And going, man, there's so many things that, you know, God has been asking me to do, asking me to follow through, asking me to live to that I'm not. And I want us to look in that mirror and go, God, what were you asking me to act? Look, I don't think you'll ever fully know yourself or God unless you act on his word. Let me let me just let me give you license um, and a little bit of kind of mercy. Is you're not always going to act correctly. So let me just tell you, there's going to be some things that you read or feel or experience that you're going to move full force and be like, yes. And you were like, ah, that might not be the Lord. But you know what? I, I truly believe um, that what God began in you, he'll bring to completion. And sometimes that takes failure. And so I, I don't want us to get into, like, so what could happen today is you're like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel called to do. And you move into it. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe that's not it. Maybe I'm this. I heard this one guy mention, he said, if we would set a destination, if we think of it through this. If we set, like, this is where we're going. And we start heading that. We start basing our life around this place that we want to go. And we start doing things to get us there. And as you start on that journey, if you realize like, oh, maybe I'm off 10 degrees and I need to head in this direction, you're at least heading in the direction that you should be going. I think a lot of times we're like, well, I don't really know what I should be doing. I don't know where I should be going. I'm going to give you the peace of just saying, just act. When you, when you come face to face with the word and you see something, you go, this is something I need to work on my life. I would decode that to what does that actually mean? Because sometimes we have this big idea like I should be a better man or I should be a better woman or I should be whatever. And we use these vague terms like the word better. 
I would recommend that you look at these through the lens of what does that actually mean? What does it look like for me to be better? Like to be a better husband or to be a better father? What, what does that literally look like? And then put it into a marketable, marketable is not the right word, a distinguishable goal of going, this is what it looks like for me to be a better husband to my wife. And you start acting on that by doing specific things that make you better at that. But act. I want us to be a people that see the word and move into it. Um, This fall, you're going to have opportunities to uh, venture into groups, uh, small groups, what we call community groups at our church, um, and invest in other people. And I want us to be a people that join with other people and say, this is what I feel like God's leading me to. I think, honestly, if we got together with other men and say, hey, this is what my struggle is, and this is where I want to be a better husband or father, and we're really honest with other men in our lives, I'm speaking to men because I am a man, women, uh, if you're a woman, like I think we would be better people because it would force us to literally act out what God's saying. But to do that, we've got to be in his word. So first and foremost, I encourage you, if you're not reading the Bible, um, get in it. Read it. When it brings questions, like that's what the group is for. So what I'm going to do for us is we're going to go into another song of worship. I'm going to pray. Um, and we're going to let God do what he wants to in us. Let's pray. God, I feel like I've thrown out so much stuff. And I honestly feel like I've been a little bit all over the place. But Lord, I want to trust you right now that um, some of the things that were thrown out landed. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that are interested in what you have for us. Lord, that we would be a a people that trust you. And that we would show our trust for you in what we do with our lives. Lord, I believe there's people in this room that are struggling uh, in marriages, struggling in parenthood, struggling in life in general. we acknowledge that some of that struggle is just the world that we live in and some of that struggle is because we've not trusted you. We've not acted on your word. We've not looked into the mirror and see the things that you're calling us to fix or repair so that we could be more like you. Lord, we want to have your character. But Lord, we acknowledge that we cannot do that without you. Lord, we we can't be who you've called us to be without trusting, leaning into, and living with your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I I just pray that, Lord, the, the enemy would love to come in here and start pointing out flaws. 
would love to start pointing out all your failures. And Lord, we just declare that you make beauty from ashes. That you have the ability, because we've seen it in your Gospels, to bring life to dead places and to dead people. And so, Lord, where there's dead places inside of us, Lord, we're not going to let the enemy just tell us that that is always going to be that way. But we're going to trust you. But that trust means surrender. So, Lord, not only do we trust you, but we surrender to you. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us walk into the things that you show us. Lord, I pray that you would give us mercy as we fall on our face in attempt to walk in your direction. Saints are just sinners who get back up. And Lord, I pray that we would hear that whispered into our ears. We're not a failure because we fall. Lord, we only fail when we fail to get back up. So, Lord, help us get back up, whether that means in our parenting. Lord, I pray that you would give us a new view for what it means for us to love our children, lead them into life with you. And, Lord, I pray where needed that you would allow us to confess and repent of our failures before you and before our loved ones. And that we would trust you to lead us into a life that's worthy of the calling that you've placed on us. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us step today into at least one thing that you've called us to. Lord, give us grace to journey with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.